Robin Grossinger searches for the missing. But what he's looking for are not people or even things. They're places. You know, take 101. Grossinger is a historical ecologist. His job is to sleuth out California landscapes destroyed during the last century and help restore them. 50, 100 years ago, the big challenge was how do we control and eliminate the natural habitats so that we can you know, inhabit these areas and develop them. But now a lot of our interest is how do we bring at least elements of those systems back? And so it raises the question, well, what was there historically? What, what, what would these places look like naturally? It turns out that's not so easy to figure out. There's no one source you can go to. In 2004, when we first spoke with him, Grossinger had just discovered an unlikely set of clues. An archivist at UC Berkeley's Bancroft Library showed Grossinger a collection of personal photographs taken over a hundred years ago. The photographer was a Santa Clara woman named Alice Iola Hare. You have to realize when you think about it, what a feat it is in some ways, these pictures she took. She's got this big photographic equipment. She's probably not using a car. She's wearing Victorian clothes. It's hard to picture quite how she pulled this off, especially when you remember She's out there in the landscape alongside creeks and mucky areas. Alice Hare primarily photographed nature scenes around the South Bay from about 1900 to 1912. The photographs are some of the oldest pictures of Bay Area streams and wetlands, and among them was a pristine section of San Jose's Coyote Creek. Armed with a vintage map, Grossinger set out with engineer Kevin Sibley to see how much the creek had changed. So this may well have been the map she was using. She probably had this map. So I, I think we're in the ballpark. It's kind of hazy today, so we can't see the hills, but when I've been out- The duo's the foray was a successful one. Grossinger found the vantage point from which the photo had been taken, in part by triangulating common elements found in both the photographs and vintage maps. This made the photo a very useful tool for the Santa Clara Valley Water District, which had already embarked on a large-scale restoration of Coyote Creek. Alice's photographs are extremely valuable to restoration. They become key bits of information. Her photographs, while documenting 100 years ago, help us visualize what the landscape could be like 50 or 100 years from now. Biologists working to restore thousands of acres of wetlands around the Bay Area just can't bring them back unless they know where the sloughs, channels, and plants used to be. In the two years since Grossinger's field trip to Coyote Creek, the hair photos have remained a centerpiece of the project, but they're only one part of the overall picture. So two years ago, we had these Alice Ayla hair photographs, and those are some of our first really intriguing bits of information about the watershed. And now we've been able to supplement that with hundreds of other clues, if you will. We built a, uh, an aerial photo mosaic using the earliest available aerial photographs, which are like 1939, 1940. This is about 80 historical photographs together to make a single image of the landscape in sort of the agricultural period. So we have gathered all these things over the past two years, and that's put us in a position to have our synthetic map pulling it all together that then we can overlay and bring out into the field and look for what's left. Today, at the San Francisco Estuary Institute, a nonprofit research group in Oakland, Grossinger and his co-workers are building a similar synthetic map for a newly discovered wetland that was. 
It's a large tract of land in South San Jose near Coyote Creek Golf Course called Laguna Seca. Usually when you find a, a big wetland like this in the valley floor in the valleys or plains surrounding the bay, usually they're developed. You wouldn't notice Laguna Seca. It wouldn't jump out at you at all just from driving by. It really jumped out at us though from looking at the maps. The map that revealed Laguna Seca isn't one you can find at your local gas station. One of the important tools we use is the georeferencing of historical data. And so the challenge of that is that these maps, of course, were done in different coordinate system and using different techniques than we would today, but they have all the same, many of the same major physical landmarks, like the points of hills haven't changed usually. Some of the major roads may still be there, and so we can use an intersection between a road and a creek or two major roads. We're setting up a network of coordinates that are known between the historical document and the present-day landscape, and then the computer helps bring, synthesize that or bring them together into the same geographic space. By matching up natural and man-made landmarks from maps of different eras, historical ecologists can create a digital super map that shows how an area changes over time. Here, we flip between a 1917 USGS map and a 2005 photograph. The historical location and shape of Laguna Seca is clearly visible. So Laguna Seca shows up in 1847, it shows up in the 1857 surveys, it shows up in these 1905 maps, and then in 1916, and then these images are really the, the end of Laguna Seca, and you can actually see it right here in this. This might have been almost its last day. There's the water, and here's the dredger. The effort was to reclaim land for agriculture at that time. Armed with a geo-referenced map and engineering photos documenting the draining of the wetland in 1917, Grossinger sets out for the Laguna Seca site. If he can verify the accuracy of his maps and photos, it will again supply the information needed by engineers to restore the wetland. Right now we're in the middle of the pond. It's a, essentially a seasonal pond now, but you can tell that we're in the right spot. You can see that ridge line right over there, the very distinct uh, shoulder of this, this, these hills here. And then if we look out this way is that little knob sticking out from the hills that shows up on all of the maps and, and a couple of these photographs. And then the other thing that real aha moment for me is in this picture we had the dredger coming towards this pond working to drain it, digging a ditch. And of course that's the ditch right there, still draining this area. So all the pieces are fitting together and I think we're pretty much right in the middle of Laguna Seca, right in this pond. It's pretty rare to have an opportunity to restore a wetland, a freshwater wetland on the valley floor around the Bay Area at this scale, you know, 50, 100, 200 acres, something like that. For Grossinger, it's another lost wetland found. Now, he and his colleagues will be able to supply the Santa Clara Valley Water District engineers with the information they would need to begin restoration work. But Grossinger is quick to point out that restoration isn't about turning back the clock. Well, you can't go back. You know, ecosystems don't run in reverse. So this isn't a really, a, it's not a sentimental, romantic exercise of trying to restore some perfect, pristine landscape. 
In fact, large-scale wetland restoration projects are very much focused on improving our quality of life today. Obviously, this would provide habitat for a wide range of species, some of them endangered species like red-legged frog or tricolored blackbird. You, know, you had a pools and ponds and lakes were important for migratory waterfowl, one of them was called a duck pond. This project right here would have a lot of flood control benefits as well. We realized more and more that wetlands had side benefits in terms of attenuating the peaks of floods. They're places where the water can slow down and pool and sort of be time released back into the river. And the opportunity is that there are places like this where you can get a whole lot of different benefits at once from a project. For Grossinger, it's a process that never loses its attraction. The detective story part, the mystery of it, is, is fascinating internally. It's kind of tantalizing to see what these clues are going to add up to. In the case of Laguna Seca, it appears that all of the clues from the past, meticulously collected and correlated by Grossinger and his co-workers, will add up to the resurrection of a useful, vibrant wetland. The paradoxical thing is it seems like looking backwards helps you look forwards. I think it's a neat possibility that we've discovered that it looks like this feature could largely come back five, ten years from now. We might be pretty wet when we're standing here.